uh, it's such uh, a great honor to uh, come before you again today to share God's word. I trust that um, as you're going to God's word today, you will be blessed. Uh, the last uh, few weeks we've been looking at, uh, we, we started with Matthew chapter 5, uh, looking at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And after that, we've uh, stayed with the book of Matthew. So we've looked at different sections after that. And today I'm just going to pick a, a portion of Matthew chapter 8. And I trust that as I speak to you today, um, uh, you will be richly blessed uh, wherever you are. And it's, such, it, it's so good to be able to uh, share God's word with you today. So uh, I'll just pray and then we're going to our text today. So Lord, we just thank you for today. Blessed be your holy name. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, an opportunity to, to speak your word again to your people. I ask the Lord that we will be the doers of your word and not just listen to it, oh God. That we'll look into the perfect law of liberty and we won't forget what we've learned from it today. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. And today I would like to talk to you uh, about what I've captioned, how to respond uh, to life challenges. How do we respond to life's challenges? And I think it's, it's very important and relevant uh, because of what uh, has happened in the last few months. And most people, many people have been in situations where they've had one challenge or the other and they are asking, how do I respond to this? You know, so many things have happened and it's very important that we know <clears throat> how to respond uh, in different situations. So I'm going to pick my text from Matthew chapter 8 and I will be reading from verses 18 to 27. So Matthew chapter 8, eight uh, from verses 18 to 27, how to respond to life's challenges. Uh, so I'll read from the NLT. So when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home. And bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then they got up and rebuked the winds and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. 
Who is this man? That even the winds and the waves obey him. We're going to talk about this man today. So, I want to talk to you very quickly on two subheadings. So, I want to look at the cost of following Jesus. I want to look carefully at these two people that encountered Jesus as he was about to go to the other side. And then uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the stump, the man, our fears, and faith. So, what is the cost of following Jesus? Now, I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Uh, what is the most outrageous excuse that you have heard or you have been given? Okay, or you have given to avoid doing a certain uh, activity. So, what would you consider to be the most outrageous excuse that you've heard somebody give, or you yourself have, have actually uh, given to? Uh, maybe you don't want to do something, and you, you have to give a, a, an excuse. And it's quite interesting that um, uh, teaching is such an interesting job because. Uh, if you're a teacher, you teach in a college or you teach in a primary school, uh, uh, sometimes when you give homework to, to your students, uh, and some of them haven't done it, it's quite interesting when they come back and get, they give uh, some interesting excuses. Uh, the, the classic one uh, for most teachers would be, Oh, sir, my dog hit my homework. Oh, sir, oh, my dog was in my bag. And... But maybe I've left it on by accident. I'm like, okay, fair enough. You know, so these are some excuses that, you know, uh, students may give uh, just uh, to make sure that they don't get into trouble for not doing their homework. Okay, so today we want to look at the cost of following Jesus and how do we grow strong in the seasons of life. So let's look at these two men very, very carefully as God will help us today. So the first thing is, if we look at verse 19, okay, the Bible says, then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, these two men that uh, we'll look at very, uh, very quickly had probably been following Jesus. And they've seen lots of miracles and they are at the point of making a decision. Now, this is an account of two men who desire to come into communion, but they are trying to make up their minds. What we have here are examples of the challenges that many have from following Jesus. And the warning to us as well, that have set out in following Christ. We have here Jesus managing two different personalities. One that is hasty and full of passion and excited. The other that is reasonable and logical. And his instructions are adapted to each of them. And designed for our use today. Now the key question is that to stay behind or to follow him. Now if you look at the first man who is a teacher of the law. is a scribe. A teacher of the law saw the light. But does he really understand what he was coming into? This man is so passionate. Oh, master, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go, he said. At face value, this is so amazing. And a great speech. 
He is publicly declaring his affection for Jesus. Imagine if we have this man in our churches today. You know, somebody come to our church and say, I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. We will say, hallelujah, yes. You know, we'll give testimonies about this person because we have somebody that has decided to follow Jesus. We'll be so excited because his profession of self-dedication to Christ is good. Jesus should be so excited that after all, he has come to make disciples of everyone. Yet, Jesus was unconvinced. Jesus was not convinced at all. Because he saw the man and he understood and he knew the intent of his heart. Jesus was not Jesus felt that this man was not or does not understand the cost of following him. And that was why Jesus said, Look, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man. Is homeless. Is technically homeless. He said the scribes are one of the wealthiest in Israel. And this man probably thinks that if I follow Jesus, I'll be able to do miracles. I'll be able to because don't forget in Matthew 8 uh, from verses 1 uh, to 17, Jesus has done a lot of miracles. So it's very possible that uh, these two people must have seen this and thought to themselves, I love this. I want to follow him. And that prompted their decision to come and speak to Jesus. But does he really understand what he's saying? Is he willing to be like the merchant in, in Matthew 13, 45-46? So if we look at Matthew 13, verses 45-46, the Bible talks about a merchant who found a pearl of great price and sold everything he had to possess it. Is this man willing to give up everything for the sake of following Jesus. It seems he is too hasty in, in promising. Following Jesus is very costly. It may cost you your friends and family as we've seen in this person. And if you look at what he said. He said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. I am asking a question today. Have you said that yourself? That Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Or are you listening to this and you have not made that decision that I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life? I will encourage you to consider that today. To say, I will follow Jesus wherever he goes. But this man felt he was ready to follow Jesus. But when Jesus looked at his heart, he knew that he was not ready. And that was why Jesus made that statement, you know, that I will follow you wherever you go. But are you really serious about this? Do you understand what you're saying? You know, I, I, I was, when I was preparing for this, I, I, I um, remembered a, a, a hymn I grew up with. I just decided to look at the, the context of that hymn. Now, uh, there's a hymn called, I've decided to follow Jesus. Uh, it's a Christian hymn that uh, actually originated in India and it's based on the last words of uh, a, a Garu man, uh, Nog Seng, if I call it pr uh, properly, which then was in Assam 
And the story says that he converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century. And he was asked to renounce Jesus. And he said, I, I will, I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. Uh, that the cross before me, the world behind me, there is no turning back. You see, when you decide to follow Jesus, it will demand you, um, it will require you to give up something. It will require you to give up something. And this man was not ready to do that because there was no record that this man left all and followed him. You know, and there's a place uh, where, where Jesus had his disciples and Peter said, Master, we have left all and we have followed you. He said, Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Okay, Jesus wants to be the Lord of our lives. And all he desires from us is to say, Lord, we give you everything. Everything I am, I give to you, Jesus. I have decided to follow you. And there is no turning back. And then we see the other man. I call him the rational, but the procrastinator. So this man is rational. Okay. So we look at uh, what he said. So if you look at verse 21. Uh Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Now, this is an example of uh, somebody that is very logical, uh, but it would rather procrastinate instead of doing the thing now. So the second one is described as a disciple. So if you look at verse 21, another of his disciples. So this person must have been following Jesus as well. Okay, but he said, Lord, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said, follow me. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Now, now, oftentimes I get confused as well. That what does this mean? What is Jesus trying to say? Now, now, some scholars feel that his father was sick or dying or dead. Uh, others think that it was only hold and not to continue for a long time. Okay, so it doesn't mean that the man is dead. It could connote uh, that he was um, old and he felt that he wanted to spend some time with his father before he goes away, uh, before he dies rather. And um, so he felt that if only I could do this Jesus, once I am done with it, then I can, I can follow you, you know, I can follow you. You know, I mean, this seems a reasonable request. You know, you know it's, it sounds reasonable uh, to say that, okay, you know what? I, I need to attend to my father. I need to attend to uh, my children. Okay, once they grow up, uh, I will follow Jesus. Uh, once I'm able to uh, buy a house, I'm able to buy a car, I'm able to do things I want to do. And maybe I will follow Jesus. So this man has a very good excuse. He has a good excuse uh, to give uh, to Jesus. But however, it was asking Christ to excuse him from his spiritual responsibilities. Okay, so this is a call to higher living. Jesus is calling this man to higher living, but he is giving excuses that will prevent him or deter him from following Christ. Have you noticed that most times there's always a perfect excuse for not doing that thing? Okay? And that was why Jesus said, look, let the dead bury the dead. 
There's a higher calling. There's something more about your life. There's something greater than what you're saying now. I want to use you. I want your life to be meaningful. Okay? I just don't want you to be at this level. I want you to get there. Okay? Come on. So Jesus was inviting this man uh, to uh, seek a higher call. And my question to us today is, are you like these two men? What is your excuse? Oh, for some of you, so let me return home and do my thing. Let me enjoy my youth. I'm still young. Why should I um, serve Jesus now? Maybe when I'm 60 or 70, I will have time for this religion thing. You know, for now, I'm in my youth. I, I need to enjoy my life. I need to enjoy myself. Uh, I don't want to miss out in the fun. Okay? I don't, I don't want to miss on the phone. Christians are boring people. You know, they're not fun loving or just seeking. So I, I need to enjoy myself. But when I said to you, there's fun in knowing God. There's so much fun. The Bible says in Psalm 16, in his presence, his fullness of joy. I just write on the pleasures forevermore. Come on, there's so much joy in following God. Who lied to you? Who told you that there's no joy in following God? Oh, the Bible said in Psalm 34, say, taste and see the Lord is good. Who has lied to you? Oh, you say, let me return to my work. I've got so much work to do. For some people, work has become the God in their lives. Work has prevented many people. There's somebody watching me today and you feel that God has got uh, um, a call upon your life. Oh, but you're working. When will you say, Lord, there's a higher call upon my life. I will follow you. I will do what you want me to do. Okay? The harvest is right. It's plenty. But the laborers are few. What is your excuse? Imagine this church, Christ Church Fair. Imagine the two years ago. Uh, let's say Duncan said, oh, and, and Tim at that point, you know, there's been a desire to plant this church. And they say, okay, you know what? Let's leave it for another two years or three years. See, I won't be here to talk to you. If you don't do something, you realize that time will just pass by. Time will just pass by. Or you say, I'm too rich for this God thing. Oh, I'm a scholar. Okay. There's no rationality in this God thing. You know, there's no scientific explanation about God. I'm a scientist myself. And I believe in God. There is so much in God. There is so much in God. So like a teacher of the law, or a scholar, consider Jesus. If only know more about it, we'd like to engage with you. We'd like to talk to you about it. About what it means to be a Christian. And we can show you life examples and experiences of what God has done in our lives. And the reason why we are fully persuaded that uh, following Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Okay? Oh, you say when God heals me. Oh, there's somebody. Let's say, how can a loving God allow this pandemic to happen? Why should I serve this kind of God? I cannot follow such a God. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Or oh, are you in a church and God has called you into missions? Oh, what is your case for not being a Christian today or being a missionary? 
As God called you to be a worship leader, as God called you to do great things, and you're just there doing nothing. Jesus is saying, look, my friend, your excuses would never end. See, I've got two kids, and it's very easy to just build your life around your kids. And, 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 and with all respect, it's, it's, you need to do that. But if you're not careful, you will use your children, you use your work, you use your life to give excuses for doing nothing. You know? And that is why I believe that procrastination is not just about trying to meet deadlines. You see, procrastination is just about, you know, the non-starters, okay? There's somebody, the books that you are born to, to write, the songs you are born to sing, Okay, the business you are born to initiate, the life you're supposed to reach, the prayers that you're supposed to pray, and you have not prayed. Why? You're giving excuses. As you know, call to you that sometimes you want to pray, and that's when your text message comes in. And that's, that's when the notification comes on your phone, and then before you know it, you are deep into it. Giving excuses. Most times they are reasonable, but they will prevent us from doing the right thing. Or they will prevent us from going to a higher call that God is calling us into. So my challenge to us today is that we must not be too emotional. And at the same time, we must not be too logical or rational. And we must, we must not keep procrastinating. We must sit down and count the cost. We must do it intelligently. We must do it very well and without consideration. We must choose the way of godliness and not because we know no other, but because we know no better. So when we do things, we must sit down and count the cost. So if you have work, you can then say, okay, I work uh, this number of hours. Okay, When I finish from work, I'm going to devote my time to prayers or I'm going to devote my time to, to meeting people. So that way you 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 you're not just emotional about it, but you're counting the cost of what you are doing. And that is very important. Alright, so the next thing I want to talk very quickly about is the storm, the man, our fears, and our faith. Okay, uh, in verse 23 to 27, and he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and the Bible says, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat but jesus was sleeping the disciples went and woke him up shouting lord save us we're going to drown and jesus responded why are you afraid you have so little faith <coughs> excuse me and they got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was great calm the disciples were amazed who is this man they asked even the wind and waves obey him Now, Jesus chose to cross the lake. And he might have occasion to manifest himself as the God of the sea, as well as a God of the dry land. And to show the whole power is his, both in heaven and in earth. And the Bible says in verse 24, that suddenly there arose a storm, a fierce storm, uh, struck the lake. Now, Christ could have prevented the storm and have ordered them a pleasant passage. 
But that would not have been so much for his glory. However, this storm was for their sake. Okay, the true disciples of Jesus are willing to go to sea with him, to follow him into the dangers and difficulties. And the question I want to pose to you now is how do you respond to challenges or to storms? How do you respond to challenges and to storms? Okay, because you're a Christian does not mean that all your problems are over. However, it gives you a different perspective in spite of your challenges. Storms are great, but oftentimes we do not trust the Lord to help us grow in trying seasons. Jesus, in Hebrews 5, 8, the Bible says that Jesus left obedience by the things he suffered. The disciples did not set out in the storm. They were caught in the storm. God wants to make us resilient in the storm. He said, when you pass through challenges, not if you pass through challenges. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 23 that though I walk through, so sometimes you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you look at what the psalmist says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he has a recognition of who is with him. You see, sometimes it is not the storm, but the person who is with you in the storm. We must face challenge. We must not give up. We must continue to press on. You see, sometimes when we go to challenges, God wants to be strengthening us. I love what the Bible says in James chapter 1, uh, from verses 2 to 4. Uh, the NIV says that consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work <clears throat> so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when God takes us through storms, there's something called patience that must build up in our heart. Okay? And God wants us to go through it and become better people. You see, Jesus led obedience by what he suffered. Okay? So, so sometimes when we go to challenges, the key thing we should be asking is, God, what would you want me to learn from this? How would you want me to respond to this? You see, sometimes some people start something and then they decide to stop. Because they face a challenge, they face um, an issue and they feel like, okay, uh, I, I can't deal with it. Or perhaps, you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a, a marriage expert, but, but I'm married for over 10 years. And sometimes you have challenges in your marriage and you then say, oh, I can't stand this. And then you just walk away. Okay? You see, wherever you find yourself, in your work, in a relationship, in your children's life, you will always have one challenge or the other. And God does not want us to run away from challenges. Because you will keep running all your life. You will keep running all your life. If you don't face it, you will keep running. And it's very important that you must face the challenges ahead of you. You must face it with faith, not with fear. And that is what Jesus was trying to pass across to, this, to his disciples. But do you know what happened? Jesus was asleep all this time. I mean, how is it possible for someone to sleep through waves breaking through a boat? 
the force of pressure will be in sin. Yet Jesus slept. He was deep in sleep. He slept at this time to try the fate of his disciples. Whether they would trust him when it seemed that it is impossible. Jesus wants to recognize that it is not about the storm. But who is in the storm with them. Whatever you're going through, Jesus can go through with you. The master sleeps. He is sleeping. But what is the response? It was it was he demanded from them. In verse 26, the Bible says the disciples went and woke him up. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They woke him with their prayers. And that is. The exact thing that Jesus will ask of us today. That when you're passing through a stop, go on your knees, cry to God, Lord, save me, I'm drowning. Save my life, save my son, save my daughter, save my job, help me, Lord. We need to cry to God. We need to pray to God. We need to trust the Lord. Whatever is going through, whatever is going on in our lives, and trust Him to help us, to help us, to help us. Jesus was asleep in the storm, but when He woke up, Jesus responded to the desperations of their cry. But He was puzzled by their fears. The Jesus did not rebuke their cry for help. But question the source of it. And that was why Jesus said, why are you afraid? You know, I just imagine a scenario where, you know, it's been stormy. It's like, you know, everything. Jesus is just sleeping. And then they woke him up, master, master, don't you get we perish? And Jesus just woke up. to someone today why why are you afraid that was what Jesus said he said why are you afraid because I've told you in verse 18 that you're going to the other side and I am in the storm with you so why are you afraid you've cried to me that's enough but why are you afraid that was what Jesus was puzzled with. He was puzzled by their fears. You see, his discovery of the cause and the spring of their fears was their lack of faith. And that was why Jesus said, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was great calm. So by faith we might see through the storm to be quiet and encourage ourselves with hope that we shall weather the storm. He responded to the littleness of their faith. As far as Jesus is concerned, he has told them to go to the other side. So this setback wasn't going to stop that. It did not need to get up. If only they recognized that he has the power to calm the storm. He has the power to calm the storm. No matter what you're going through today, God can speak life into it. God can calm every storm. 
God can speak life to every dead situation. And that was what he did. And the Bible says that he rebooked the winds and the waves. And suddenly there was great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. The men were amazed. The disciples were amazed. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What a response. Wow. What kind of man? Who is this man? What kind of man is this? If I told you that there's a man that can solve all your problems, would you want to meet him? Am I telling you that there's somebody who has the ability to do that? Yes. There's somebody I know. His name is J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. He's able to calm the storms of life. What kind of man is this? See, most of this, most of the disciples on the boat were expert fishermen, but they caught their wit hand. Oh, have you got into your wit hand? Where are you today? Have you tried tirelessly to save your marriage, to save your children? Have you found yourself in a stump? Marital stump, financial stump, mental stump, and you don't know what to do. There's a man. I know, allows the ability to simplify the complexities, the complications, the conundrums of your life. Do you know this man? Even Paul cried that I may know him in Philippians 3 and the power of his resurrection. Have you counted the cost of following Jesus? What are you willing to give up today for the sake of Jesus? Somebody watching me, are you having a sleepless night? Why is anxiety keeping you awake at night? And I said it respectfully that if you, if you, if you have a mental health um, uh, issue, it's, it's advisable to, to, to seek uh, medical help. However, there's a man called Jesus. There's a man called Jesus. There's a man called Jesus. He's able to calm the storms of life. Would you reach out to him today and pray and say, God, I'm going through this storm. Would you help me? Would you cry? Would you be desperate? You know, when you go to the labor room, there is nothing silent about it. You see, when, when the, the mother is a push, you know, the, the, the mother is just giving it a, Everything she's got. Are you desperate? Would you cry? The disciples were desperate, my friend. They were about to die. And they said, oh my goodness, Jesus, help, Lord, save us. We're going to die. Are you going to say that to their Lord? Just cry. Cry to God. If you're not happy with where you are, you're going to cry. These guys were not saying, oh, Jesus. Look at the stone. Jesus, hey, do something, man. No. Say, Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. We're going to die. My friend, you've got to come to a point where you just cry for help. A desperation. 
a desperation for help. So sometimes it's not the storm, but who is in the storm. God can get you to the other side in spite of the storm. You will face storms in your life, but, uh, but do you know the one that has built his home on the waters? The one that walks on the waters. Why are you afraid? Fear has torment. Let God undo every challenges that you have today. As a Christian, you must consider and count the cost of following Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you must say to them, Lord, help me to follow you the days of my life. And I want to just conclude with this. That Jesus is interested in your life. He's interested in the storm. He's sleeping. And all he wants you to do is just to wake him up. But you come from the source of faith, not of fear. You are not afraid. Because Jesus is with you. If you are there today listening to me, why are you afraid? Why? Why are you afraid? Are you afraid of the pandemic? Are you afraid you're going to die? Are you afraid that you will not be able to meet your needs? Would you just reach out to God today as we pray? Lord, I pray for everyone listening to me today. Who is afraid? Afraid of... Um, of the health, of their finances, of their children, of, of the world at large. You're afraid of going out as well. Lord, I pray. I speak peace in the name of Jesus. I speak peace. Just as uh, Jesus rebuked the wings. Lord, everything that is contrary to your plans and purpose in their lives. Lord, I rebuke in the name of Jesus. I speak peace to that person. I speak the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. May you learn in what you're going through. May what you go through not just be a waste of time. May, 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 it, be, may it be to you a maturing process. May it be to you a learning spirit. Because a time will come that somebody will go into the same thing you have gone through. Will come to you. And God will give you strength to be able to pull them through. Lord we give you praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. God bless you.